and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number nine. And I have four spooky stories for you today and story number one comes from Jen. In January of 2010, my husband and I went with two other couples on a dream vacation to Ireland. We spent a day travelling around the Dingle Peninsula, ending with arriving at Kilmacadar at twilight. Kilmacadar is a site with the ruins of an early Christian Romanesque church and several other very old things of interest, including a cemetery and an oam stone. Out of all the wonderful things on our itinerary for this trip, this stone was one of the things I was most looking forward to visiting, because these stones are super old and mysterious. Oam is an alphabet used between the 4th and 10th centuries mostly to write the early Irish language. On this tall and narrow stone, the language looks like horizontal lines cut along the side of it. Now this is where the story gets a bit embarrassing, as I'm about to confess that I spoke aloud to an inanimate object. As I ran my hand down the cuts along the side of the stone, I muttered aloud, Old stone, what do you say? I know, weird. As if in reply, I then heard just a few inches from my right ear, a male voice, as if a man was whispering as loud as he could. I immediately looked to my right and saw my male friend directly parallel to me to my right, about 50 yards away, checking out the cemetery, but way too far for me to have been the source of the voice. Everyone else in our party was pretty far behind me, inside the church ruins. We were the only ones on the grounds. After I realised there was no obvious answer for who produced the voice, I thought, okay, something very unusual just happened. I did just hear a distinct voice say something specific to me, which bears no resemblance to any words I recognise or understand. Soon after I joined the others in the church ruins. I didn't say anything to anyone at the time about what happened. I was still trying to wrap my mind around it. Inside the church ruins I came across a plaque that said that the Oam Stone translated means the name of male Inber, son of Brocken and that the stone was probably marking a grave. I took the name Male Inber to the Gaelic-speaking tent at an Irish festival a couple of years ago and asked a Gaelic language expert how he thought it might have been pronounced in Old Irish. He said his best guess was Malian Beer. This pronunciation, considering that it was a whisper, was close enough to what I heard to be very, very intriguing to me. Wherever that voice came from, I very much treasure the whole experience, and that it happened just for me, and in my favourite place in the world. I have Irish ancestry that I don't know much about, and who knows, maybe this fellow is an ancestor, and maybe that's why I was inspired to try and talk to the stone. If somehow, by chance, I could find others who have had paranormal experiences at the Kilmacadar site, I would be thrilled. I've looked on paranormal websites for mentions of the site, but I haven't found anything. Well, you are in luck, so I spend a considerable amount of time in Dingle and around the Dingle Peninsula. And the next time I'm down there, I'll make the effort to go and I'll make some inquiries and find out. I also don't know anything about Old Irish, so I couldn't even couldn't even say to you, you know, this is how I think it might be pronounced because I have absolutely no idea. Uh, But ohm stones are pretty amazing things. If you don't know what an ohm stone looks like, it's O-G-H-A-M. And if you look them up, they, they do look very cool. And also just as a total aside, if you kind of want something to like commemorate that time, there are lots of great Irish jewellery companies that make Owen jewellery. 
and you can obviously get you know translated om jewelry that means various things to you and look you don't know you don't know why those stones are there maybe it is marking a grave maybe it's a really important spiritual place you don't know and if i was hearing a whisper in the middle of the dingle peninsula i mean like in a place like that that's like steeped with history i'd just be like i'm accepting that and we are <laughs> and we are moving on but like I said, the next time I am in and around Dingle, I will check it out and see what I can find. And story number two comes from Sarah. My mum doesn't have an email address, so she's asked me to contact you to share one of her most haunting ghost stories, which is also quite a sad one. She first told me this story when I was a child. I've been an avid ghost story lover since the very beginning, and it's stuck with me ever since, and I'm sure you'll understand why. My mum and me live in Glasgow in Scotland and my mum has been a healthcare support worker working in hospitals for over 35 years. She has worked in extremely old buildings and this story takes place in a particularly old one. During this time she was working in a medical ward and upstairs from her current ward was an old neonatal ward which is a ward for sick babies. This ward had been closed well before my mum even started her job in this hospital so maybe for six or seven years at that time. Nobody would ever go into this ward, as there was no need to. It was completely empty and had been since the day they closed it for good. One night, my mum was working on a night shift. It had just gone past 1am and all was finally quiet on the busy ward. One of her friends, also a healthcare support worker, asked her if she could hear something. My mum is hard of hearing at the best of times, so my mum replied, No, what is it? To which her friend replied, It sounds like crying. My mum strained to listen and sure enough she could hear a very, very faint and quiet crying. But neither of them knew where it was coming from, as all their parents were fast asleep on the ward. They were both really freaked out by it. But soon their duties on shift took over and they never thought anything else of it. A few nights later my mum was on shift again. And again when it was eerily quiet, she and her other colleagues could hear the same hushed crying sound. One of her colleagues said that other people who worked there across the years had reported hearing the same sound at night and that this wasn't anything new. Another colleague suggested that it was coming from upstairs, the old shut-down neonatal ward. They all laughed at her and said things like, not a chance, there's nothing up there. However, my mum was intrigued because where else was the sound coming from? Later that night, the colleague who suggested the crying was coming from upstairs said she was going up to take a look. Everyone said she was crazy, but my mum was tempted to go with her, so tempted that she actually went. So they went up in the old screechy and creaking cage lift to the floor above. This particular hospital was notorious for being extremely warm, as are most hospitals. However, as soon as the lift shuddered to a stop, the temperature dropped like she'd never felt before and still hasn't to this day. The air felt stale but sharp. She said that every hair on the back of her neck stood up and that she had goosebumps before even stepping foot out of the lift. The second thing my mum noticed, primarily being the sudden drop of temperature, was the crying sound. It was louder and much closer. They got out of the lift and slowly walked along the pitch black corridor to the opening of the ward door. Using only the small light from their medical pen torches, they found the ward door handle. 
As soon as they put their hand on the handle to open it, the crying came to an abrupt halt. They creaked open the heavy door and there was nothing but complete darkness. My mum used her pen torch to fumble along the wall and she eventually found an old light switch. She took a breath and reluctantly pressed the switch. The light flickered a few times before coming on and the light showed nothing but an old empty room covered in dust. They went in and looked around. My mum said she'd never felt fear like it. Just as they were about to leave, my mum's colleague noticed something and took a short gasp. What is it? My mum asked her. Look, her colleague said, pointing towards one of the dusty windows. And right in front of them, high on the window above the dust, were multiple fresh pairs of tiny baby-sized handprints on the window condensation. My mum said she felt so sad that she was no longer frightened. She said it felt as though those tiny innocent souls of babies were trapped in the hospital, never growing up, yet forever wandering the ward looking for their lost family. I fundamentally know that it's sad, okay? I know that it's sad. But I also know that if I was nursing in a hospital or being a care in a hospital at night time and hospitals are a very dark spooky place at night time I don't want to be hearing no babies crying on an abandoned ward no way and it is like I know it is it's sad I get it <laughs> but I don't think I'd be going back into work I don't think my fear would be overawed with sadness to be honest I think I'd be just like yep the fear is still there and I am noping out of this uh, ward and out of this job but I guess it's just like one of the weird hazards of working in a hospital like weird things are going to happen weird things are going to happen at night time when you're on the night shift and you know you don't know what's really you don't know what's really going on where, where do those footsteps come from where did that sound come from oh shit is that a baby crying oh what are the perils of being a healthcare worker man and story number three comes from angie i've been a realtor for over 10 years I have absolutely had a few experiences where I was uncomfortable in a house. Three houses, in fact. My first experience was in a house built in the early 1900s. It was a home directly next door to a Catholic church, and it was the house that the priest lived in at one point. Its last occupant was a single man, not a priest, and as soon as I set foot in the house, I felt like something was watching me. My clients and I moved through the house, turning on lights and opening doors, only to turn our backs and have the doors close and the lights turn off. One of my clients got locked in a small pantry she looked in, claiming she couldn't get the door open and that she felt lost in there. I would have been fine leaving, but they wanted to look in the basement. We had to walk through a basement room strewn with papers and records and old furniture to get to the furnace room because they wanted to see the mechanicals. When we were leaving and heading back through the first room, we noticed a typewriter in the corner It was an old style and in the typewriter was a paper with all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy typed over and over. Now I'm sure you know this reference and this was someone's idea of a joke but it made us all just want to get out right away. They didn't buy the house. My second experience was short and sweet. On a realtor tour when agents go to look at a new listing my friend and I were making our way through an old lake estate. We looked at the upper levels and decided to look at the basement. We descended the stairs together. I was feeling very uneasy but didn't say anything. 
As we got to the bottom of the stairs, my friend looked at me and said, I need to get out of here now. There is something not right down here. I felt the same way and we turned and ran up the staircase, both realising just how freezing cold it was on the stairs as soon as we crossed the threshold to the upstairs. We could both feel the darkness in that space. Lastly, I got a call from buyers I've never worked with to show a very old home, late 1800s. I got to the property early to turn the lights on. I went through the house, except for the basement, and turned on all the lights, feeling somewhat edgy as I had thought I saw a shadow moving through the dining room to the kitchen. There was a door in the back stairwell that I took to get back downstairs from the second level. In the stairwell there was a door. I opened it to find another staircase I assumed went to the third floor. When I grabbed the doorknob it was ice cold. When I opened the door a rush of warm air hit me and I felt dizzy. I recall saying out loud, No way, nope, I will not be going up those stairs. I made the decision to just walk right by the door when I was showing the house to the buyers. The buyers showed up and we found ourselves in the stairwell. Mr. Buyer stopped me and said, What's in there? I said, Oh, it's an old stairwell, hoping to just move on, but no, he wanted to have a look. He proceeded to open the door, commenting on the freezing knob and taking one look up the staircase, which was painted black, FYI and announced, oh hell no, there is no way we are going up there. They quickly decided against the house, and I ushered them out the front door. I was left to turn off lights. There was a light I left on by the front door that I saved to last. When I got to it, it was off. I know I left it on, and I did not turn it off at a different location. In fact, the switch had to be moved to the off position, and no, the buyers didn't turn it off. When I turned it back on, it flickered like crazy and then went off and immediately turned back on. I said aloud, I mean you no disrespect, but I am leaving your beautiful home. Please do not follow me. I locked up and didn't look back. Never hurts to tell the spirits not to follow you. You know what, Angie? I agree. And I believe this story came in uh, reference to a story that I did quite a while ago where I was talking about real estate agents and I said, like, surely realtors see things when they're when they're traveling around houses right surely they go into houses and they think well this place is fucking freaky and this confirms it i think i'd end up being like you know that episode of the simpsons where marge becomes a real estate agent but she just keeps telling people the truth i'd be like that i'd be like you know the the murder house and i'd have to tell people and i would secretly be hoping that people didn't go into the creepy stairwell as well i'd be like no that's just a door to nowhere i wouldn't worry about it it's definitely not haunted But it makes sense, you know, if you're traveling around loads of different houses all the time, your intuition for when things don't feel right must be pretty strong. I like to imagine, too, that real estate agents have just like a list of haunted houses in the office where it's like, you know, two story houses, apartments, haunted houses. (laughs) And story number four comes from Jenny. One time when my youngest child, Caroline, was two, we were alone in the house together. It was very quiet. The only sound I heard was the ticking of the kitchen clock. She kept looking up the stairs while she was playing and saying, What's going on upstairs, Mama? Then she suddenly jumped up and crawled into my lap and said, What's going on, Mama? I'm scared. There was literally not a sound in the house. Later that same month, she said she saw a white hand coming out from under her bed. I brushed it off as her dreaming or imagining things, but now I'm not so sure. 
She still talks about that white hand four years later. Caroline is now six years old and used to have a canopy over her loft bed that sort of looked like a covered wagon. The fabric is a bright green colour and while you can't see through it, you can see light and shadow on it. She refuses to have it on the bed anymore because she says that she sees shadows dancing on the canopy at night time. She doesn't share a room with anyone and there is nothing that would move around in her room, especially after bedtime. Once she said she took a picture in her room with her kiddie camera and when she looked at it, there was a man with a tall hat on his head in it. When I asked her more about it, thinking it was one of the dolls on her dresser or something, she said that she saw a tall black person like black made out of shadows that she didn't see when she took the picture. I didn't see this picture personally because shortly after that, the camera went through the washing machine. She's still scared to go upstairs by herself and she's scared to go downstairs by herself. Basically, she doesn't want to go anywhere in the house by herself. My 10-year-old son has called me into his room several times at night saying he felt someone breathing on his face. This is a terrifying thought, but in the interest of getting my kid to go asleep, I of course try to rationalise it. Maybe he felt his own breath moving back on his face if he had his blanket pulled up around his mouth. He said, maybe, but then who was that laughing? No, thank you, son. Several times at night, I've heard one of my kids' voices right next to my bed when I'm trying to go asleep, but when I open my eyes, no one is there. It's like one of them is standing directly by my head saying, Mom, Mom, Mom. And when I open my eyes, it is silent and there is no one there. I could brush this off as me being on the edge of sleep and hearing my own dreams, but it usually happens the moment I get comfortable and close my eyes, not when I've gotten sleepy and start to drift off. One night, I was expecting my husband home late and went to bed before he got home. I was having trouble falling asleep because there was an insane windstorm going on outside and it was making our old windows creak and shake. I heard some weird noises and knocking that I choked up to the wind. But then I heard footsteps coming up the stairs. Then I heard signature creaking of the bedroom floor as he walked through the room. Our bathroom door has a heavy painted rock as a stopper and keeps it from swinging shut. I heard him move the stopper to close the bathroom door. I sat up to tell him I was awake and not to worry about trying to be quiet. But there was no one in the room. Ten minutes later, I heard the kitchen door open and my husband actually came home. What's worse than creepy kids? Creepy kids with a camera taking creepy pictures of creepy ghosts. Lots of uh, lots of freaky kid behaviour in this story and freaky husband behaviour. Although I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm blaming him when actually he didn't do anything wrong. Just his doppelganger is the one that should be blamed. But I don't can't blame his doppelganger, so I'm just going to blame him. We get so many of those stories where the sounds of a loved one coming home or like some sort of ritualistic sound. And when I say ritualistic, I mean like it happens daily or it happens, you know, every second day or whatever. That that happens and then you think it's your loved one, it's not. And then your loved one does come home. Like, what is that? Is that a rip in the fabric of time? Is it in our brains? Like, I don't understand what that is or what that could be. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Jen, Sarah, Angie and Jenny for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. 
You can check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and if you are desperate for extra content you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note I shall see you tomorrow.